thank you so much for this opportunity. Speak to our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, as we continue in the series, The Spirit-Controlled Life, uh, again, as we're looking at this, we are really seeing what makes uh, a, a good Christian. And these are the attributes of a life that is controlled of the Holy Spirit. And certainly a life controlled by the Holy Spirit is a life that God can use to make an eternal difference. And again, you notice as we go throughout these attributes, these are things that God has to do in you. These are things we cannot work up on our own. These are things that God works in us as we trust Him, as we depend on His Word. And so uh, tonight, we're going to be encouraged by tonight's message. We need this message tonight. How many believe that God knew we were going to be here tonight? Amen? He knew exactly where we were going to be at in Galatians 5, and He has ordained it for tonight because many are struggling, and we need this, including the one you're looking at tonight. We need this reminder. Galatians 5, tonight we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace. Galatians 5, look at this with me. It says in verse 22 of Galatians 5. I know we may have different uh, translations represented. That's okay, but I want us to do this. Let's read this out loud together tonight. Okay, here we go. Ready, set, go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Tonight, we look at the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Every one of us tonight that I'm looking at, 100% of us want to have peace of mind. Whether you have a job or stay at home, whether you are male or female, whether you are an elder person or a younger person, you want to have peace. Everyone wants peace of mind. But isn't it true that often in our lives we experience more stress than peace? More stress than peace. Life is chaotic. It's busy. It's overwhelming. And it hinders our ability to be at peace. I remember when I was in Washington, D.C., we were getting onto a subway. Whoever, who has all ridden a subway before? Um, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and uh, look, when we got on the subway in Washington, D.C., we were living, uh, leaving a Washington Nationals game. And, I mean, you have people you've never met a day in your life sitting on your lap, standing all around you, hanging, hanging off of one. I mean, you're packed in there. Often, I got to think about that, often that's how often our, our lives we feel like that. We feel overwhelmed. Things are, are, are closing in on us. Problems are all around us, on top of us. Sometimes it becomes hard to, to believe. You see, you and I tonight, we are experts in stress. We are. We know what it's like to be stressed. We know what the signs and symptoms of stress are. Uh, today, I, I, I'm establishing new care with, I, for those that don't know, I have ulcerative colitis. And um, for the first time in a while, disease has been active. So, so we're trying to get on top of things so it doesn't get worse. And they're trying going to try some new meds and all that. But the doctor looked at me today and he said, he said, are you under stress? I said, I'm a pastor. You know, he, and then he talked to me about, he says, often stress causes a reaction in ulcerative colitis. And talked to me a moment about stress. He said, have you had a vacation? Taking time off. I said, I did have a vacation. But I got sick on vacation. <laughs> stress, look, we, often we are stressed, and stress creates all kinds of things in our life. See, many spend their life worn out 
I mean, most of us feel worn out by the demands of life. We're always tired. How often do you ever get around somebody? And there are some. You get around somebody, man, I feel energetic. I feel good. You know, often it's people are tired. They're worn out. They're, some are irritated. Some rarely have fun. Some have time to just chill, to just be still, to just hang out. Some don't know how to be still. Some don't know how to just sit and not do anything. That's tough. Stress is an unfortunate fact of life in our modern world. Everyone's under stress. Everyone is tense. Close to $60 billion is spent on anxiety annually in our country. Books on peace of mind have become instant bestsellers because people want peace in their minds. We're often told that stress, too much stress is unhealthy. It's not new to us. We've known that for centuries. Nearly 3,000 years ago, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 14.30, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. See, the Bible has a lot to say about stress. But the Bible has a lot more to say about its prescription, the prescription for stress, which is peace of mind. The Bible speaks about three kinds of peace that I want to share with you tonight. We see that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And everybody in this room can live in peace every day of your life. No matter how stressful the demands of life get, you can live in peace. Look, is that true? Yes, you can. We just have to know how. We've got to obey the Word of God. We've got to listen to this and apply it. Every person in this room, all of us, we need three kinds of peace. The first piece is this. We need spiritual peace. We need spiritual peace, that is, peace with God. Peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God <clears throat> through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is thankful tonight that through your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, you have peace with God. If you are saved tonight and a Christian, you have spiritual peace. And boy, that's the greatest kind of peace to have is spiritual peace. This is the foundation of all peace. This is the bottom line. We have to have peace with God before we can have any other kind of peace. And I hope everyone here tonight has found that peace with God. And that peace is only found through Jesus Christ. How many still believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? No matter what the world wants to teach us or try to force us to believe, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to have peace with God. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says this, there is now no, uh, there is no salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The only way to spiritual peace is through Christ. Now, it's important to, to, to understand this because I, I'm burdened I am burdened. I, I can live with a heavy burden for the church. Specifically, people who have grown up in church their whole life. Because when I look around the church today, often I don't see people who are at peace, especially with God. That's why they still continue to battle the things they've battled for years. And maybe, you know, could it be that maybe many in the church in our area are trusting everything else to provide peace with God other than Jesus? 
Is it possible we're, we're trusting an upbringing or we're trusting uh, kind of our, our foundation of, of, and certainly I am thankful. I'm glad I grew up in a Christian home. But how many understand the fact that I grew up in a Christian home does not mean Luke will have peace with God? True statement. It's not inherited. The church cannot provide you peace with God. Only Jesus can. Singing hymns will not provide you peace with God. Only Jesus can. It doesn't matter how many church services or how much religion we have access to. The only thing that provides peace with God is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. And the way we have spiritual peace is through faith in Him. That's the foundation to all peace. If we don't get that, we can't get the rest. So I trust that everyone here tonight is not trusting how you, were, how you were brought up, no matter how good it may have been. I hope everyone here tonight is trusting Jesus and Him alone for spiritual peace and what He did for you on the cross. The second type of peace the Bible speaks of, not only spiritual peace, but is emotional peace. We have peace with God, but we have emotional peace, the peace of God that the Bible speaks of. This is what most of us tonight would think about when we think about the word peace, an internal sense of well-being and order. Colossians 3.15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Paul, in talking to the church, says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The Greek word translated rule in that verse is used only this one time in the entire Bible, and it means to umpire. If you play baseball or if you've played church softball, you know there's an umpire. Literally, Paul is saying, let the peace of God be the umpire of your heart. Let it call the shots. What does an umpire do? He keeps the peace. He makes sure things are done in an orderly and smooth manner. See, God wants to give us an internal umpire who will keep you at peace even when everything in you screams at you to panic. He wants you to have this internal umpire. Look, our emotions, isn't it true? Our emotions get in the way of peace. And guys, don't tune me out there because men struggle with emotions like women do. Often men say, I ain't emotional. Yeah, you are. You just were. <laughs> we have emotions. And emotions get in the way of peace. Often you hear people say things like, I need to get away, or, or maybe you've even said that to yourself. Have you ever been so tired at night that your body collapses into the bed, but your mind will not turn off? Has that ever happened to you? Many occasions it's happened to me. Your mind races from one thought to the other. You know, you could get away. You could go to Tahiti. But even in Tahiti, if you don't have the peace of God, your mind will still be racing. You cannot run away from yourself. You need both peace with God and the peace of God, that inner umpire ruling within. Paul said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. On the night before his execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be assistance and assistance to him and comfort to him. Nicholas declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed. Now listen to this. 
and sleep as quietly as he ever did in his life because he knew the peace of God. Look, because he had peace with God, spiritual peace, because he had emotional peace, peace of God, even the night before his execution for his faith, he could rest in the strength of his everlasting Savior who he was about to meet face to face. Church, I'm telling you, we serve a good, good God who grants spiritual peace, peace with him through Jesus Christ, the peace of God, emotional peace that can rule, that inner umpire that can rule in our hearts even when life is crumbling, even when we're facing the most tragic of circumstances, we can have peace. The third type of peace is this, relational peace. This is peace with others. Peace with others. Romans 12, 18 says this, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. How many believe tonight that would be a good verse to write down and maybe stick somewhere where you can see it? Because, see, our sin nature, our flesh likes to point the finger. No, Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Peace with others reduces conflict. I'm sure you know from experience that relationships can be a source of stress in our lives. Isn't that true? No matter how close we may be, stress is caused often in relationships. For most of us, our biggest problems are people problems, relational problems, getting along with those you work with, those you work for, getting along with your friends, your church family, your in-laws, your outlaws, <laughs> your family. Hey, look, there is people in life that we simply are stressed by. Relationships can be frustrating. We have to deal with conflict, competition, criticism regularly. These things rob us of peace. Hey, can I stop here and ask you, who are you allowing to rob you of peace? Because you have all the power through the Holy Spirit to be at peace. Who are you allowing to rob you of peace? Relational tension, relational stress can rob us of peace. But to have true peace in our lives, we need to have peace with God, spiritual peace, emotional peace, peace of God, and relational peace, peace with other people. But, can, but look, and I, I stop and ask this as we think about it, is this possible? Is it possible to live this way? Look, and here's the thing, in the flesh, no, it's not. In the flesh, you can't live this way. That's why I say the, fr the fruit of the Spirit we're talking about, these attributes, we can't work these things up on our own. These are things God has to do in us because there's no way that we can, as much as it depends on us, be at peace with all men without the help of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 27, Jesus promised this. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give it to you. The Amplified Version says it this way. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Jesus spoke these words, church, to his disciples right before he went to the cross. 
Jesus gave us his peace. Notice, he gives us this peace as a gift. Now, what does that mean? I don't work for this peace. I can't earn this peace. It's not something we can pretend to have, that we can kind of mask up and pretend to have it. We can't psych ourselves up for it. It's a gift that we simply need to accept from Jesus who gave it to us. Notice that the peace that Jesus gives is different from what the world gives. You see, Jesus drew this conclusion. I give you peace that the world cannot give you. Why? Because what the world gives is fragile. It's easily breakable. It's easily disposable. How many times in your lifetime have you experienced the fragility of the peace that the world offers? I don't know how they come up with this, but someone figured out that in the, that in the last 3,500 years the world, in the world, there's only been 286 years of peace. The peace that the world gives is temporary, is the point. It's not lasting. But we also notice that the peace that Jesus gives is not related to circumstances or situations. It's not determined by what you're going through. Church, listen to me. It's not determined by what you're going through. It's determined by who's inside of you. When the Holy Spirit dwells within, we can have peace with God, the peace of God, peace with others, because the Holy Spirit is ruling in our lives and can help us have peace even through the most difficult circumstances. Jesus practiced it on the way to the cross. And before he goes, he says, my peace I give to you. See, God's peace allows us to experience tranquility in the midst of trouble. So how do we get this peace? How do we experience the perfect peace of God that Jesus talked about? I'm going to give you five things quickly. I'm not going to keep us long. Here it is, number one, five things to perfect peace, five keys to perfect peace. Number one, obey God's principles. Obey God. If we want peace, we have to obey what God says in his word. In other words, this is simple. This is not profound. It's not scholarly. To experience peace in our lives, just simply do what God says. Just do what the Bible says. The psalmist said this in Psalms 119, 165, one of the greatest chapters in all the word of God. Every verse in Psalms 119 references the Bible in some way. It says, great peace. Listen to this. Great peace have those who love your law. Watch, and nothing will offend them. Or if you're reading a different translation, it's also translated, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. What does that mean? No circumstance, no cutting or critical remark, no, no relational tension. Nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace they have who love your law. God says that peace comes when we live in harmony with him, when we do what he tells us to do. Do what God says. 
and you'll experience great peace. The second thing is this. Receive his forgiveness. Obey God. Receive forgiveness. Look, if we want peace, we have to receive his forgiveness. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking to the Christian. Because guilt is the number one destroyer of peace for a lot of people. Guilty. Shame. When we feel guilty, we can't let go of the past. We can't let go of things said. We can't let go of things that we have done, those we have hurt or those who have hurt us. The only way to have peace of mind is to live in the reality of God's forgiveness and receive it. The Bible says in Psalms 103, and he says this about you and about me, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions. Hey, look, somebody say hallelujah. Hey, that's a wonderful verse that provides great peace to every heart that's here tonight. It's in God's nature to forgive. He likes to forgive. Someone said this, that God has a big eraser. <laughs> he likes to erase our sin. In 1 John 1, 9, John, listen, talking to the church, not talking to lost people. It's important to know who he's talking to. But John, in talking to the church, said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like reminding us that we do not confess sins as Christians. Now listen to me, church, every hour right here. We do not confess sin as Christians to stay saved. Nobody wants that kind of Christianity, including the man looking at you. I've heard me refer to that before as eggshell Christianity. Now what Jesus did on the cross, he meant what he said when he said it is finished. Somebody say amen. Sacrifice has been paid. So we don't confess sin as Christians to stay saved. The word confess means to say the same thing about sin that God does, to acknowledge his perspective of sin. Now, it's important to understand that when the Apostle, Paul, or Apostle John rather wrote this verse of Scripture, he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit during a time when false teachers were attacking the church. And one characteristic of these false teachers was this, is that they would not admit their own sin. They would not be honest about their own sin. And so John teaches the church, a way you identify somebody who is not in the faith, is someone who cannot admit their own sin, their own struggle. And so he teaches the church that continual confession of sin is an indication that somebody is really saved. The genuine Christian admits their sin and seeks to forsake their sin. The genuine Christian is sensitive to sin because they seek to see it and understand it the same way God does. God's forgiveness is available, and we need his forgiveness. Confession, listen, church, one reason why we don't live in the peace of God is because we often neglect confessing our sin before Almighty God. We often neglect asking God to search our hearts and show us anything in our life that is bringing displeasure to him. Because isn't it true? We all in this room battle the flesh on some level. 
We all experience the temptation to sin. We all still sin from time to time. That's, that's true. Confession ought to be a regular part of the life of the believer. And when it is, peace will reign. Peace will reign. Why? Because you are calling your sin the same thing God calls it. You're agreeing with God about sin. That's why John wrote what he wrote. The third thing is this. How do we have perfect peace? Obey God, receive forgiveness. But the third thing is this. Focus on God's presence. If we want peace... We have to fix our eyes upon the Lord. Hey, you do realize tonight, listen to me, that God is with you. In every circumstance of every life, every day of your life, God is with you. Whatever hurt you battle, God's with you. Isn't that true? Whatever successes you enjoy, God is with you. When you're tempted and you give in to the flesh, God is with you. God is always with us. We need to focus on His presence. Isaiah 26.3 reminds us to fix our gaze on God. It says, you will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, fixed on you because He trusts in you. You see, we have a choice. We have a choice tonight in, in this area of peace. Are we going to focus on our problems or our circumstances? Or are we going to focus, fix our eyes on the Lord, the one who's in control? That's the choice we have to make. And then when we make the choice to fix our eyes on Jesus, we experience peace that the world can't give us. There was a little girl several years ago who was in my parents' church, and she had a, a rare illness and passed away. I want to say she was at the age of four when she passed. And the floor that she was on when she passed away when God took her home experienced seeing parents in a grieving moment that had peace that the world can't give. The parents didn't stand there and preach a sermon. They didn't put on some facade. There were tears shed. There was hurt. There was grieving that went on. But boy, the nurses were amazed by the peace that was in that room that those parents had. God used that to speak to their hearts. See, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, rather than our problems, we experience perfect peace. See, if we constantly focus on our hurt, our pain, now let me be, be careful and make sure you get this. Please understand, I'm not saying we deny the reality of hurt and pain because it's there. We don't deny that reality. But we choose to focus on Jesus more than we focus on the reality of our pain and our hurt. And that's when we experience peace. Because if we continually focus on the reality of our hurt, our pain, we'll be distressed, we'll be depressed. But it's only when we look to Jesus that we find rest. Isn't that true? Focus on God's presence. You'll experience peace. How many are thankful for Psalms 46.1 that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble? Man, aren't you thankful for that verse? What a blessing. Later on in that same chapter, it says this in Psalms 46.10, it says to be still. We have a problem with that. <laughs> be still and know that I am God. Be still. 
You know what has to happen when you're still? God has to work because you're not. You're being still. When we're still, God goes to work. And we realize how much we need to depend on him. I like how the New American Standard says, cease striving. Boy, we strive. We wear ourselves out. Cease striving and know that I am God. Look, be still. Focus on God's presence. Here's the fourth thing. Keys to perfect peace. Here's the fourth thing. Obey God, receive forgiveness, focus on God's presence. But the fourth thing is this, trust God's purpose. Go with me quickly. We're going to finish up here tonight. Go quickly to Proverbs chapter 3. Go to Proverbs 3 with me. You're going to look at some familiar verses, but I want us to look at these just a minute. Proverbs chapter 3. You probably can guess where I'm going. If we're not careful, these verses uh, can lose their, their value to us because they're so familiar, but I want to remind us of these two precious verses. It says in verse 5, it says, To trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths, make your paths straight. If we want to experience God's peace, we have to trust God's purpose. Look, even when things don't make sense, we must trust God's purpose. Let's just, just for a moment, let's dissect these phrase by phrase. There are four verbs found here. Trust lean not, acknowledge, and direct. The first three verbs are commands. The fourth verb expresses a promise. God will make your path straight or direct your paths. So we see this word trust. Have you noticed in your life that many things don't make sense? Many things just simply don't make sense. There are things in your life, my life, we'll never have the answers to. And I had to stop, I had to stop and ask myself, then why do I keep seeking answers? Can I tell you, we, look, we, live by, we don't live by explanations as Christians. We don't live by explanations. We live by revelation. Come on now. That was good. I'm going to have to amen myself. We live by revelation. You see, because we're not, look, we're not going to have all the answers. So why do we spend so much time? We should, look, and I'm not saying we shouldn't study. Certainly, we should seek to a deeper meaning and understanding of the Word of God and get to know God better. But why do we often seek answers in things we simply may never have answers to? The Bible calls you and me to trust, to trust God, because there's simply some things we can't handle. Even if God were to reveal it to us, the answer, we couldn't handle it. We're called to trust. How often do you tell the Lord, Lord, I trust you? Man, make that a daily part of your prayer life. Lord, I trust you. Then he says, lean not in your own understanding. It means don't try to figure it out yourself. That's what that means. Don't try to figure it out yourself. We do that all the time. We waste a lot of time and energy trying to figure things out on our own, but God urges us, look, trust me, and don't try to figure it out yourself. Trust me. Struggling financially, trust me. You're struggling physically, trust me. You're grieving, trust me. You're hurting, trust me. Someone's hurt you, trust me. Don't try to figure this out yourself. How many have been in a position where you've trusted God, you've given it to Him, you've cast your care on Him, and you have seen God come through and grant wisdom and grace and strength and peace for whatever it is you were facing? We've seen it. Trust Him. He says, lean not. Then He says, to acknowledge Him. 
We face all kinds of problems and challenges in our life, stresses in life that want to rob us of peace. And we ask questions like, why is this happening to me? Look, and I can tell you from the experience, so listen, church, listen to me. I can tell you from experience that when I stopped asking why, not saying it's wrong to ask why, we see it all throughout the Bible. We should ask God why. We should take our whys to God, not saying that we should. But I have learned when I stopped trying to figure out the whys and simply trusted God, I found peace, great peace. And then I noticed that as I trusted God, my whys, listen, turned to what? God, what are you teaching me? What do I need to do with this? What can I learn? And then it turns to who? Who do you want me to minister to? Who do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to help? And then it can turn to a where. Where do you want me to go? You see, when we learn to trust God, it opens this window of opportunity that even in our grief and pain and hurt, God can use us to touch people's lives and point people to Him. Because again, the peace that you're experiencing in that moment, the world can't give you. And when people see that, they're drawn to that, and they're wondering, what, what, what do they have that I do not have? He says, look, acknowledge me. Trust me. Don't try to figure it out yourself. God's got a purpose even in our pain. He says, acknowledge me, and I will, there's the promise, make your paths straight. Church, I'll say it again. Don't we serve a good God? Don't we serve an awesome God who makes our path straight, gives us direction as we trust him? Here's the fifth thing. This is it. Keys to perfect peace. Obey God, receive forgiveness, focus on God's presence, trust God's purpose. But then the last one is this. Ask simply, ask God for peace. Ask God for his peace. We often miss the simple things about our journey of faith. We need to ask God for it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, is it still in your Bible? It's in mine. It says, be anxious for nothing. Boy, isn't that a great verse? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who wants to hear our request, wants to hear our cries, wants to hear our burdens? And then it says, let your request be made known to God. And what does it say? And the peace. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. <laughs> the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look, you notice the order that Paul gives us in that verse. Prayer, then peace. You want to experience more peace? Then pray more. Prayer, then peace. Prayer is the cause, and peace is the effect. Look, if you're not praying, and look, this is so true. Look, God has really convicted me in my own life of my prayer life. Isn't it easy to get lazy in that area as a Christian? We get lazy in our prayer life. Not intentional in our prayer life. God's been dealing with me about that. I've been seeking to be more intentional in the times that I pray. And it's true that if you're not praying, you're more likely to be worrying. 
And worry is a useless emotion. It's a waste of time and energy. In fact, most of what we worry about never comes to pass. Our word worry comes from the German word pronounced in the English. It's uh, virgin, which literally means, now listen to this, it means to choke. That's what worry does. It chokes the life right out of you. Jesus indicated this when he said in Luke 8, 14, the seed which fell among thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures in this life and bring no fruit to maturity. So the challenge, pray, and you'll experience peace. Ask God for his peace. May God help everyone here tonight to live in his peace. Let's stand together as we pray tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these reminders from the Word of God. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege to come to you in prayer. God, please help us to, to simplify how we think of prayer uh, rather than some lofty or uh, religious language or practice. God, help us to realize that prayer is having a conversation with you, our Heavenly Father, and coming to you humbly, yet boldly, Lord, with reverence, knowing that you have all the power and authority in this life, and you can accomplish anything that, that, that we ask if it be according to your will. And so, God, help us tonight, convict us, God, in our own lives of a lack of prayer. Help us to be intentional in that area of our journeys of faith, to spend that time with you. God, help us to, to live in your peace. Thank you, God, for the peace we have with you because of our faith in Jesus. God, we, we have spiritual peace because of our faith. Lord, we thank you for the emotional peace that you grant, God, as we allow the, your peace to umpire and rule in our lives. And God, we need relational peace. God, help us to get along with one another. Help us to love one another. Lay aside differences, things that don't matter realizing we're brothers, sisters in Christ, and God, that we are united, and that God, that where there is unity, you are blessed by that, and we can accomplish much for your glory. Help us to be at peace with all men. God, help us to put these five keys to experiencing your perfect peace that you leave with us, God, into practice, obeying your word. Lord, help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to put these things... Uh, Lord, into uh, practice each day of our lives so that we can walk in peace and that the world will notice that we are yours. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. And I pray all this in Jesus' wonderful and in his precious name, God's people said, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You are dismissed.